0: Welcome to Dev Ready Podcast, where we're helping non-techs deliver better tech. Uh, today, we've got a special guest, um, a favourite of mine, back from episode 14. Neville Christie is joining us today. Um, it's been a little while, Neville. I think we recorded our last episode. Yes. That long, long yes, yes, yes. was, like was a long, ago, yes. was. it feels like a long way. During COVID, oh. we were locked down and we had that chat, so it was actually quite a bit of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone wants to listen to the background of Neville and there's a bit of context in there, his background, his story, how he started um, at a very young age due to necessities, uh, selling and starting businesses, became a bit of a loan shark in a young age too. So it was a fascinating story and listen. So definitely recommend going back and having a look at episode 14. Today, we've got Neville back, and we've, I've known Neville quite a little while now. He's been um, a bit of a mentor to us and um, been connected for a number of years now, since that podcast, actually, and the first introduction. Yeah. So I've known Neville as a, a, a sort of pragmatic thinking, innovative, entrepreneurial, been involved in many, many businesses and different ventures. But the one thing I I really enjoy about Neville is his um, focus on community and how he brings people together and build businesses collaboratively. And I think that's one of the, the key takeaways. A good example, Neville, I know you're, I believe in the 80s, um, I won't say exactly your age but you can do oh, that. Mine are 81 at the moment. There you go. And but
1: going
0: on 18 really, yes. Yeah, brilliant Neville. And it's still innovating, right? So being a part of yes, like yes. A, a, a crypto blockchain company, for example, which some people in their yes. 80s are doing absolutely nothing and Neville just uh, yeah, shines a bit of a light on what's possible. So. Neville, thanks again for joining us. And that's a bit of an yeah, intro, right. but I really appreciate it's you jumping, jumping on. Yeah. The, from, um, one of the key things I've been discussing a little bit around and one of the things I'm reading a lot from you is all about the the, the disasters that are being thrown at the world and all the the, the events you've been predicting. And I'd um, love to dig in a little bit there to begin as to um, where that all stemmed from and how you, that sort of came to you in terms of your predictions around Things like wars and all these things that are sort of happening around us, where did that all start?
1: Well, excuse me, sorry, Andrew. Uh, As you know, I've been entrepreneuring since I was 12, so I've had 69 years of innovating, innovating entrepreneuring and researching. And during that time, I've always found that the biggest problems in the world uh, are the source of the greatest opportunities. So Mm -hmm. in 2018, I sat down and spent a lot of time researching the, real trends that were occurring around the world the social technological ecological economic and political trends and I started to realize that uh, there was a massive series of structural changes occurring partly uh, of course uh, kicked off by the changes in our ecology with the um, you know with the uh, global warming etc but also because of some huge changes coming through in the biosciences and uh, particularly um, in the whole artificial intelligence, uh, robotics, uh, automation of the service industry. So the more I dug, I, I came up with, uh, with with two quite strong conclusions. The first is that this decade, and I'm going back, you know, to 2018, five years ago, that this decade we would find um, huge structural changes to our social, technological, ecological, economic, and political fabric, our steep fabric. Mm-hmm. And that secondly, as a result of that, most nations would uh, would experience what I call 40 tsunami-like events. These would be things like pandemics, financial crisis, um, a war, uh, changes in the structural uh, supply chains across the world. Mm-hmm crisis between China and um, America, crisis within America becoming the divided states of America. So the more I mapped these, the more I could see that this would be a period of great disruption and therefore uh, also a decade of great opportunity. So out of that, a team of us, um, I actually took a, a whole year off sabbatical last year I went through and closed down nearly all of my existing businesses. Started to c- circulate my clothes to other people, my books, uh, and started to metaphorically look like uh, I could walk onto a, tray, a, a plane with just a suitcase and um, and a carry-on bag. And, and out of what that,
0: what inspired you to do that, Neville?
1: <clears throat> well, I've always been a person who reinvents myself every three years, uh, which is why. At any one time, I'm typically doing at least seven quite different things and mm-hmm. at least, you know, involved in at least seven uh, quite different sorts of businesses. So I, I just felt that the times are changing so much that really the past is a dead country. And that if we continue to live in that past, expect that it'll go back to the pre COVID, pre global warming times, you know, we've got rots in our head. Um, And that there is a real need for us to reinvent ourselves, reinvent our businesses, reinvent our way of life, reinvent our relationships, reinvent our businesses and institutions. Mm. So I put my money where my mouth was and um, took the time off to really invent 16 different programs that would help create what I've called the new steep renaissance. So we have to ride the tsunamis, we have to make the transformations, uh, and then we have to be ready to create or play a part in the new steep renaissance. And a lot of that is going to be based on technology. Um, and also what I call orgware, which is like people like you and me and many other service professionals. We We've got in our heads many of the, know-how and systems and processes of being able to make the changes make the changes to ourselves make the changes to our businesses and then make the changes to our total global environment our steep environment but many of us have not got that productized and monetized you know it's in our heads and we provide services but we give away our best shots, our intellectual property for nothing Uh, and with robots and artificial intelligence now dominating. And I think that's going to be that whole sensor technology, internet, robots, uh, productization productization of the service industry. That's a new infrastructure technology that is going to dominate uh, increasingly this decade. So uh, all of that said, look, you know, we better get our asses into gear. Uh, We better change our own mindsets and thinking Mm. And, and start being part of the new renaissance. Oh,
0: it's moving that quickly. it's, um, it's amazing. Oh, it is. Look, I'm, and 81
1: I... and I'm 81 and I've got nowhere near the technology understanding you guys have got, but mm. I've just been fascinating being dipping into various mm. yes.
0: uh, forms of artificial intelligence. That what have you been dipping into? been playing with chat GPT, <laughs> as everyone oh, has been. Yes. Yes. Yeah, right. yes. Just playing yeah. around and
1: saying, yeah. my yeah. God, this stuff is yeah. incredible. It no. is
0: incredible. I've actually been starting to use it in the way I deliver what we're doing. I find it quite fascinating. Right. If I'm doing a bit of market research, I'll go there first now. Instead of Googling and opening 25 pages, I'll, I'll ask some questions there, get some context of an industry. Yeah, no I think absolute, getting about. a
1: real... Yeah. Google's starting to get a real run for its money, isn't it? Yeah, but, uh,
0: yeah, for me it is. Everything
2: online is—it's it's a big problem yeah. for Google. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. But yeah. like, I, I honestly think there's a huge problem. Like we've seen, mm-hmm. we've seen how, for example, uh, in the legal profession, yeah. that uh, a lot of their documents are now online, and you don't have to pay ten grand to them to do a document. You just go on. We've seen with the accounting professions how zero and whatever have have you know revolutionised their their role and and changed it we're seeing in the health services how um you know i had a friend the other day who um had to have uh, surgery on his pos- prostate and he said to the doctor i don't trust you i trust the robot and the robot did it and it- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he emerged with his manhood intact. you know mm-hmm. uh, but uh like, Every form of the service industries, and that includes yours and mine. And it mentoring. does. It includes
0: every one of the other service industries. That's right. Um,
1: yeah, the robots are taken over. So mm. like, we, have to, we can fight it or pretend it's not going to happen, or we can
0: run with it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fascinating the way it's playing out and it's impacting service, content, Think like that area. It's impacted quicker. So if you look at like the robots, they've been building robots that can walk around and start moving, you get, but those cost a lot of money. Software's always cheap, right? Or cheaper, it's still expensive. What's it cost to run chat GPT every day, Anth? It's like millions, isn't it? It was $3 million yeah.
2: a day a few weeks yeah. ago, but now they're getting yeah. outages, so they're hitting that capacity. Yeah, they're hitting capacity. So it's- There are outages yeah. and introducing that paid tier, which will then but try and cover- $3 million apart, a day so. to
0: deliver what it's delivering. I'm not sure how many people are using it, but I think- it, was the quickest thing to click over a million users compared to everything else um yeah, yeah so software is always the quickest way to get to people um when you but i mean it hard, it's interesting but to me how- they didn't even want to release it yeah <laughs> have
2: you heard the chats from the ceo no i haven't he thought they didn't want to release it. he thought it wasn't going to do anything for anyone kidding. <laughs> no, that was the whole thing yeah they were very hesitant to put it out there because they're like no one's going to use it mm, interesting
0: yes well how wrong can you be uh, we all can be wrong. <laughs> so thinking a bit more about the steep renaissance, what that means to you, because I know you mentioned you've been developing different programs and thinking, and a couple of things we've touched on is how we might connect uh, like-minded people that are more growth oriented business people in services to maybe start productizing some of their thinking or start establishing different products. Tell us a bit about what you're doing in the background to bring some of that to market. Sure. Uh, well, I think I think the first thing uh, that is required
1: and what we're working on is how to change mindsets. Like, you know, we're all, we're all the victims of our past and what we've learned and what we've done, but what's happening now, and, and it, we saw it with the internet how much change. I, I remember many, many, many years ago uh, before the internet uh, really started to take off, uh, I remember sitting at the Australian Institute of Management and I was running a seminar with 30 chief executives. And I said to them, guys, I've got something really strong to advise you. That is, you need to learn to type because in five years' time, A, you will all be doing your own typing and you probably won't have a personal personal assistant. And they all, you know, almost swore at me. you know, what the hell do you think you're saying? Well, of course, can you imagine a CEO or a Medico or anybody today who isn't online doing their own typing and, you know, uh, their personal assistant tends to be, uh, to be online. So, um, first of all, like what's happening requires a major mindset. So we're developing some programs to to actually start that whole process of changing the mindsets. Secondly, um, uh, what's what's lying ahead is our jobs are restructured and we need new insights and new skills and new ways of being in the world. Uh, we, we've developed programs that are about. Uh, reskilling those of us who, you know, have got years and years of doing things a certain way. uh, And now we've got to unlearn that and relearn uh, some new skills. Uh, As you've said, um, we see that in the past, businesses have been about creating uh, customers. Now it's very clear that businesses, A, are about innovating collaboratively rather than solely, you know, joining together. And and businesses are about creating and serving communities. So that's a big shift and and so as -hmm. you said, what we do is working through a lot of our programs in groups, build those communities, build the uh, community, build the uh, collaborative innovation and provide the tools that that's possible. And you're being involved with me in building, you know, a a turnkey website um, that we can use multiple times. Mm -hmm. Um, The other big shift is when, when most of us think of uh, of innovation, I think what we think of is mainly uh, services, products, and technology. And, and you know, if you think about those, apart from software, those innovations have been sort of, you know, uh, concrete. Uh, the biggest innovation I believe now, uh, and that's what we're working on, is what, what I'm calling OrgWip. <clears throat> and that is... Um, systems and processes and tools and technology and know-how that can bring about transformation of us as individuals. Uh, so we, we, are, we emerge differently and systems, processes, tools, technology, software, uh, ideas that, um, that make it possible to change the nature and essence of our business, the structure of it, uh, our institutions, the way we relate to people. like, And a simple example of, of all this is just when COVID came and the lockdowns came, so look how many things just moved differently. Like, you know, Zoom had been around, et Every, everything, yes. everything changed. Everything mm. changed. Like, you know, and I'm calling everything. that, mm. I'm calling that mm. orgware. Like the structural, the mm. thinking, the mm. tools and processes we, we adopted suddenly and quickly. Uh, was a totally different way of organising our life the way we are, the way we structure things. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the things that we're working on very solidly.
0: I think um, digging a little bit more around the mindset, from a, a mindset perspective, as individuals, with all the changes happening around us, how do people cope with that, and what do you recommend they do? Because you can look at things in two different ways. You can say, uh, uh, "My job is not here tomorrow, the way things are tracking," or what can I do to learn to skill up to actually add more value to the community, the industry. How do people need to think? Because as things change and evolve really quickly, there's always the positive and the negative. And it's what you focus on anyway, in terms of how you sort of come about it and how you feel about it. What would you say to people that are sort of in that bracket that need to think about mindset and how they're focusing on the change that's around them? Yeah, a, a terrific and a you know, pretty complicated uh, question to answer.
1: But uh, if you look at, at two things, first of all, uh, our amygdala is a very interesting little uh, uh, part of our brain, it's actually a twin yes. organ organ in our brain, and it's got a right right part of the brain and a left part. And because of our evolution, where you know we've been, uh, our safety and security is trained to be fight or flight, or or you know just a uh, uh, sit and avoid. yes pardon Free,
0: Yes. Freeze. Freeze. Um, yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. The amygdala has an inbuilt bias towards negativity. So that the, mm-hmm. the, the right side p- uh, part of the amygdala is about 70% biased towards negativity. And the, uh, the left part is about 30% toward positivity. And um, the memories are stored there in the amygdala and in the uh, hippocampus. And as a result, uh, the answer to the starting answer to your mindset question is: we need to overcome the fear, the threat, the uh, you know, hey, what's this doing to me? Uh, and we have to literally move the right brain, fear and, and freeze and running away and, and that thinking to an adapting. I'm uh, mm-hmm. saying, you know, I accept I have to change. It's like like when there's a death you know there's that process of denial and then you know you move through grieving and eventually you move to uh, to acceptance so that that process mm-hmm. of death um, Kubla Khan taught us Kubla oh, another <laughs> name uh, it's a, a name like Kubla Khan um, that that famous uh, person who wrote about the seven stages of grieving that, that that's very relevant oh. to the, the mindset changes that we need to, to go through. So.
0: I think mindset's a it's it's always a fascinating one. It's one that um, if, if you you are in business or been in business for quite a while, you can and you see change. You can get sort of kicked in the face a little bit, and it's, it's how you approach things. And one thing I've noticed is the more I work on that area of how I'm thinking, how I'm um, sort of perceiving what's in front of me, it makes a big difference to how you feel every day, and then what you're delivering and opened you are to the opportunities around you. So open our mindset is probably from the the list of things is number one. You can reskill someone if their mindset's open to it. I don't think you can reskill anyone if they're closed to a a mindset that is too hard to move on. I'm stuck in my own way. So I think that's always, that's a great place to start. And I think everyone needs to start always. I've
1: developed well over 20 techniques of changing mindsets uh, and they're all, you know, you don't talk about it. Uh, you know, you don't have a long theoretical discussion. You actually experiment with with a range of different things that, that actually changes. And I'll come back to one big one in a minute that we can all start with. But um, for me, the, the, the most fascinating interest uh, case at the moment is what I call the divided states of America. Like, you know, we've looked to the United States of America to. Uh, to lead the world with globalization, with supply chains, with, you know, relative peace since the end of the world, World War II. Now, their mindsets are in such turmoil that, we're, we're, you know, they've become the divided states of America. And quite about 40% of young millennial Americans believe that there's going to be a new civil war there eventually. So, you know, this mindset issue and the number of times people dig their heels in them you know, want to go back to the world that that doesn't exist anymore uh, is a fundamental issue. Uh, the starting point that we can all start with change uh, is actually to practice every day a system of being thankful, being grateful. And if you just simply go to Google while it still exists, and um, and Google. <laughs> psychology of gratitude. Uh, Go to psychology today and do the benefits of gratitude, right? And you will find that just simply adopting a mindset, not of problems, oh God, you know, the world's coming to an end, you know, just start with saying, gee, I'm grateful for my wonderful children. I'm grateful for my partner. I think it's fantastic That, you know, I have a business that uh, I'm glad for my health. Uh, thank God I've still got my eyes up. Like, you know, if once we go through those and then we get a mantra of gratitude, and the science says that uh, any sort of emotions lasts for a maximum of 90 seconds unless Mm -hmm. we consciously keep it alive. So, any negative emotion—mad, sad, bad emotion—that just hits us, uh, it lasts for ninety seconds unless we use our mind to keep, you know, keep keep it alive. Keep repeating. Equally, <laughs> Press yeah, repeat, right? <laughs> we get on a on a on a on a negative loop. Uh, equally, mm. if we um, transfer that into a gratitude or a positive. And we get a a mantra that lasts 30 seconds. So 90 seconds is the the mind, is the emotion. 30 seconds is the thought. If we keep that going for 30 seconds, it actually becomes a permanent imprimatur imprint in our mind. Mm. And that's That's a hugely important, uh, uh, way it changes. So there's many others of gratitude.
0: I find it fascinating you're speaking about gratitude today. Um, I was actually watching a video on YouTube about gratitude and the science behind it. And one of them, they did a study which said if you really wrote a gratitude journal for a week, um, they measured the happiness in people and they found that they were 6% happier after a week. It's all um, based on surveying. But then... Yeah. Later on, I think it was a month or two later. They still found those people were happier than they first started, um, even when they oh, stopped yeah. doing it. So, what it does something yeah. scientifically interesting study. Yeah, interesting study in terms of mind and
1: you're changing. You're changing the hardwiring of the brain, and you're overcoming Correct. the natural, inborn, innate mm-hmm. tendency of fear, fight, flight. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, freezing, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and and you're mm-hmm. moving into you know adapting the ability of change.
0: Because yeah, we all have something to be thankful for, everybody does. Um, we live in a, a especially people in Australia live in a country where you've got a roof over your head and got all the opportunity in front of you. And well, some of know, us forget do. sometimes, <laughs> some of us yeah. do, <laughs> but we, yeah. yeah, well, I think we sort of forget. You uh, know, you can be thankful for anything, you can be thankful for uh, a nice day outside, you anything, it doesn't have to be. Um, but that's that's the point, like when we, yes, when we adopt that.
1: That great, great, i mean, it doesn't even matter who we're saying thanks to. Some people might be saying thanks to the to the old fella that's up there, but uh, you know, I just say yes. thanks to the cosmos. Um, so uh, <laughs> that that's that's so vital in changing mindsets.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. There's a lot you can do, but it's definitely one of them. Um, now back to your steep component because you you're quite big on. Small teams and thinking within small teams is that yes. how you feel the future will, the future of business will look? Is it small teams of people focusing on single problems? what does small, it look like for what
1: well, like, well, quite clearly governments in the united nations and and uh, large corporations <clears throat> excuse me large corporations still have uh a huge part to play in, for example, doing something about uh, global warming and the ecology, uh, doing something about global famine, uh, doing something about the fact that water is becoming the scarcest resource in the world, doing something about the fact that you know some of the major river systems in the world are drying up, uh, that you know at least 20 of our major cities around the world are sinking into the water table, uh, like. You and I are not well placed to do anything about that. Um, But Mm. where you and I and other small business and small groups collaborating together, innovating together, forming small communities, what we first of all can do is we can support and aid each other to change our mindsets. We can support and Mm. move and start pooling our resources so you know. The resources of ten small enterprises pooled together, the thinking power, the fact that we've all got, you know, a structure of computers and people and uh, uh, you know and connections, uh, and we start to pool that um, and multiply and leverage that into new ventures and new ideas. That becomes extraordinarily powerful. And one of my heroines is uh, uh, an anthropologist called Margaret Mead, and she studied a number of, of uh, so called primitive or developing societies in transition into the modern world, and they said ne- she said never doubt that a small group of dedicated people can change the world, for nothing else can. Mm-hmm. And and I, I you know you can see that with all the great revolutions around the world you know like the 1848 revolutions in, in uh, Europe, the 1905 revolution in Russia, the 1917 revolution, now revolution in China. There were discontents and famine and, and whatever, uh, the French Revolution, uh, that, that caused the discontent that we're seeing all around the world. But it was a few dedicated revolutionaries that banded together and said, here is the solution that caused monumental change.
0: So, yes. It all needs to start from someone, doesn't it? Someone, some group. There's always somewhere. a spark. Yes. the way you yes. see it in movies. Yes, yes. Then you yes.
2: have to fan that flame, and their grows.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah. So we're living in re- really, really exciting times. Uh, the Chinese say they're interesting times, but that's also the curse. <laughs> the Chinese greatest <laughs> curse: <laughs> they live, they live yeah. in interesting, interesting times. Time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all, all times are always, uh, always interesting and always changing. I think that's the the fascination of what's around us. Um, every, I feels like every moment there's something new that's released or something innovative that's coming on, and it's. It's exciting. It's just to sort of attract that and understand what you could do with it, what that's going to mean for humanity, society. There's a lot of unknown too. We don't. I don't really know where we're going to be in 10 years, but some, I'm sure people are predicting where we might get to. Um, yeah, but predictions are sometimes not so true. So it's definitely like people talk about going into more of a socialist society. What are your thoughts on that, Neville? I'll pick that one with you um, in terms of, um, yeah, everything's given to us and uh, – what do, you, what do you think about that? Well, again, I, I think that's an absolutely crucial
1: um, crucial sub, subject. There's a couple of major misapprehensions about uh, capitalism and socialism. The first is that there is one brand of capitalism, you know, i.e. American style capitalism. Uh, whereas in fact, there's always been various brands of capitalism and there exists Australian capitalism is very different from American capitalism and European capitalism is very different uh, from both of us so first of all capitalism is not a single you know uh, homogenous worldview and practice Uh, it has common elements but the way it's implemented is very different (laughs) equally you know socialism is the same and communism has had many many variations Um, look at Australia you know, we are both a capitalist and a socialist economy uh, and a society. Yeah. We have both elements. You know, we have the Liberal Party representing, you know, that the the sort of capitalist business side of life, and we've got the Labour Party um, uh, representing more, you know, the worker, the social uh, social uh, change, social revolution. Um, that works. You know, that blend is, is something that works mm-hmm. extraordinarily well and dynamically. And, but, you know, when we get people on the extreme left or people right, they, they sort of turn that into, uh, what do you call it? They, they turn it into a debate that doesn't take us anywhere. Now, having mm-hmm. said that, I, it, it's interesting that Australia is soon going to have every government, state, national and, and state is going to be Labor. Uh, New South Wales will soon move to being
0: Labor. Yeah, we're turning um, to Labor. All, every one of them, yes. Mm.
1: Yeah, why? Because the, the the whole all of us know that we have to give more attention to society, to community, to our yes. health system, to our education system, to being better as people, of collaborating more yes. rather than you know how much money we've got. Now you know, it it's a shift that is has will happen is happening uh you know whether the extreme capitalists uh like it or not because that's mm. the social need at the moment but it's not a betrayal of capitalism it's not a move to communism it's a blending of society and the individual you know blending of, 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 it of
0: evolving of- it is evolving right so um yes let's yeah. see what's going on. but you do you, you yeah and that's a fair point you've raised everyone all that, every state will be labor we're including the federal the way we're tracking so um there's yeah. a shift there in terms of what people are expecting um, and, and that's the, the wonder about democracy
1: like you know only six <laughs> percent yeah. of the world uh has a, a true democracy you know where where you can have a transition of government that's peaceful and you know a shift in the ideological content of the government to move in one direction and then back again and, you know, coming back into the middle all the time. Uh, we are one of the few the true democracies in the world and America is not, you know, America is, is a, theop- you know, is a oligarchy really, it's a, it's, it puzzles me that one.
0: Fascinating. Trump, Trump, do you think he's going to get back in? Oh, no way. <clears throat> <laughs> that yeah. Crazy cra- yeah. Crazy World over there, that's all I I'm, going to, yeah. I'm going to Mars.
1: I'm gonna migrate to Mars if he does, but um yeah, I'll be on <laughs> one of Elon <laughs> I'll
0: be on one of Elon yeah. Musk's <laughs> yes. cold there, cold there. Cold. Yeah. Oh, sounds like a plan. <laughs> I'll Classic.
1: You know, uh, yes, go into hibernation. <laughs> I love it. And-, <laughs> and come back later. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we, we, so we talk to a lot of businesses and founders of businesses and predominantly focused on technology as a, as a podcast. Yep. What would you yep. say to people that are venturing into or a part of businesses and seeing the transformations around them? What do you say their, their, their next steps are over the next 12, 24 months? What should they be thinking about, Neville? Oh, wow. You mean a startup? Startupy, or I need to know. I'm in a business, and I need to evolve something because I'm stagnating, or the times are changing. What should I be focusing on as a business?
1: Well, I I think this comes back to uh, very strongly the values. One, Albert Einstein once said, um, basically something like, "Be a man of value, not a man of success." Uh, So he he put that. Uh, you know, the dichotomy that we've had in our society. You can either be a community-minded good person or you can be, you know, chasing wealth and chasing your own independence. Uh, The first thing I think is what we're seeing in the millennials uh, who are the, you know, the new generation now of startups and whatever. We're clearly seeing that they don't see that dichotomy. They see that what it's all about is being a person of value and a person of achievement. But they also Mm -hmm. see that many of the things that you and I have taken for granted in terms of ownership and possessions and wealth is something that of itself is no longer the raison d'etre of life. No, correct. So, you know, when I'm talking with the millennials, I start with their values and I Mm -hmm. start with, you know, what they would like to achieve both, and and not seeing a conflict between those two things. Which means that many of the businesses that they will be starting, and are starting, will have a a sort of a community type uh, flavor to it, rather than the sort of independent flavour that you and I have spent our life building, if you can see the difference. Mm. And, and, yeah, um, no, I can't.
0: I get that. Mm-hmm. And I'd foster that. That's a fascinating you know, take. That. And it leads into all your programs that you're designing at the moment in terms of, yeah, that yeah. community flavour, connecting with multiple groups, different different walks like, of life. Li- coming life, together. Is too,
1: life is too complicated. Like I've, I've designed 16 <laughs> total ventures. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, how the hell would I go about doing them all myself? Like, you know, that's crazy. There is only yeah, one way. there's only one way I can do that is working with others, joint venturing them, you know, handing them over to others. I can be the designer, but my gosh, I can't, I can't be the implementer. So, uh, I can be the grand <laughs> oh, blue <poobah>, you know. <laughs> uh. You can't, I think
0: if you, if you want to do it all on your own, um, you could probably focus on one business and do it for 20, 30 years and maybe make that successful. I think what you've done and been a part of so many ventures, yeah, that's to jump from one to the other in two or three years, it's probably impossible to get some success, Um, I would imagine, because you're not on your own. You get the
2: assistance and otherwise you've only got so much time to focus.
0: Mm. Yes, always a pleasure. Um, If anyone wants to learn about your your programs and what you're putting together and... um, steep renaissance where can they find out just at neville christie.com or is any other resource to get in contact Uh, yeah
1: look that website's a little bit out of date but uh you can start at neville christie.com there's a a means of contacting me there which is either through email or my phone talk with me uh and you know i'm unfolding uh, i i launched a new program uh on tuesday uh there's Mm You know, there's a whole program of launching, so it, it's an e- evolution rather than, you know, something that's already arrived.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, we're all uh, we're always evolving, aren't we, Neville? <laughs> we always thank are. God. Thank you, Neville. Yeah, thanks for joining yes. us with every really podcast you. once again. Really appreciate your time, and uh, let's uh, keep the episode maybe a bit closer than almost a hundred apart. So, yeah, thank you for joining yeah, us, Neville. Really yeah. appreciate. It. Oh,
1: no. My great pleasure. Thanks, fellas. Next time.
2: Excellent. Thank you.